0: Lisa is going to come and read our scripture. We've been reading scriptures of welcome, and this morning's scripture is a story um, from the Gospel of Mark that's actually a story of rejection, a story where Jesus is rejected in his own hometown. Lisa.
1: Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach at the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with him? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went out among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing on their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on the feet, on your feet, as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed, all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick and cured them. We celebrate the written word of Scripture
0: Thanks be to God. God.
1: We celebrate the living word, Christ, among us.
0: Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy Christ, give us hearts open and ready to welcome you, to listen to you, to seek your word, so that we might live your word to bless the world you love. In your many names we pray. Amen. This summer, we've been looking to the scriptures with our theme, A Summer of Welcome, in mind. We started by grounding ourselves in God's expansive welcome, looking at how God chooses us, every one of us, as part of God's choosing the whole world, God choosing to be Christ for the whole world. Then last week, we looked at how God's welcome shows up in us, in the the welcome we extend to each other in loving relationship how we are hardwired for love and for welcome, each of us created in the image of a loving and welcoming God. This morning, we turn to a couple scenes from Scripture that are, well, not so welcoming. Scenes really of outright rejection, and we will ask in these stories of rejection, what can we learn about welcome? In the first scene in this morning's scripture, Jesus is the one who is rejected. It's particularly striking because the story comes right on the heels of big success. In these early chapters of the Gospel of Mark, remember Jesus is moving at a breathless pace, village to village, teaching and healing, announcing the reign of God, what Marjorie Sukaki describes as a kingdom in which love and justice and mercy draw a people into being a people united in passion for their common well-being, a big new world, big good news. And Jesus has just performed two big miraculous healings. He has cured a woman who has been bleeding for years when she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And he's raised a little girl from the dead. Crowds witness all of this, and there's quite a buzz until. Jesus returns to his hometown, and there, among those who knew him way back when, he's rejected. Jesus begins to teach in his hometown synagogue, and the people say, who is this guy? Who does this guy think he is? Isn't he Mary's son Isn't he the carpenter? His brothers and sisters, they're sitting right here. The hometown crowd questions his teaching. They question the miracles he's done. So Jesus quotes a proverb at them. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, with his kinfolk, with his own family. Jesus is turned away by his own. They aren't welcoming of the message he brings, and he's only able to heal a few folks. And scripture says that Jesus is amazed. I think of all of those scriptures where Jesus does something miraculous, and it says, and the people were amazed. But this time, it's Jesus' turn to be amazed, and he's amazed at their unbelief, at their rejection. And then scene two out of the experience of that rejection, Jesus turns to his disciples and prepares them now to go out into the world, into a world that may not be so welcoming. One writer says the scripture is the story of rejection and then regrouping. Jesus gives his disciples authority to heal and to proclaim the good news and then sends them out with very specific instructions. They're to take with them only a walking staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. There's to be no question that they are in this for profit. They can wear one pair of sandals and one shirt, but they can't take two. One writer notes that basically all Jesus lets them take is a stick to help them walk around and beat off the wild animals. Another notice is that Jesus allows them to take the means of travel, but not the means of sustenance. For their living, for food and shelter and every basic human need, they will have to depend on the people they meet along the way. Jesus sends them into the world in utter dependence On the hospitality of others, and he tells them to expect some inhospitality along the way. When someone welcomes you in, stay there for the whole time you're in town. Accept with gracious gratitude the gift that is offered. But where they where they don't receive you, don't tarry long. Shake the dust off your feet as a witness against them, and be on your way. Shake the dust off your feet, something, this is something like a curse, a curse on your house. But the gospel of Mark doesn't go as far as the gospels of Matthew and Luke do. There's actually no cursing here. There's no threat of violence or retribution. Just the shaking off of dust, a renunciation, renounce in hospitality. In this world of rejection, Renounce inhospitality and keep moving. Keep moving toward hospitality. This story begins with an inhospitable scene with the hometown crowd rejecting Jesus. Jesus takes the rejection he's experienced and he turns it on its head. And by the end of scene two, Jesus is the one rejecting, rejecting inhospitality. That is not the way. My way is a way of welcome. In the face of rejection, shake the dust off your feet, and embrace welcome. Embrace the welcome that you find. Embrace the welcome you create. Embrace the practice of hospitality. Offer hospitality and receive it and find your way to life. Now, this practice of hospitality is not brand new with Jesus. Hospitality is a command that reverberates throughout the Hebrew scriptures. Leviticus, the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the stranger as yourself, for you were foreigners in the land of Egypt, and I am your sovereign God. Again and again, God commands the people to welcome the stranger in their midst. They are a desert people, at times a nomadic people. In the desert, hospitality is a matter of life or death. If you don't welcome in the stranger in the desert, the stranger will die. They know this in their bones. Hospitality is a command, it's not brand new. What Jesus does is dust it off and put it front and center, a central pillar in this new world, this new era, this new kingdom that he is announcing. To follow the way of Christ is to embrace a way of welcome, a steady, life-giving, life-dependent practice of hospitality. For centuries now, Benedictine communities have lived out this practice of Christian hospitality as a central and defining part of their communal life. If you read the rule of St. Benedict, the communal agreement by which they structure their life together, there's much of what you would expect. There's a pattern for prayer and for work and for living together in community. But at the heart of the rule, there's something that has come to shape Benedictine identity. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. They're to be welcomed as Christ, for Christ has said, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. For Benedictines, there is no separation between spirituality and hospitality, between worship and work. As Benedictine Joan Chittister explains, actually quoting a rabbi, hospitality is one form of worship. In their practice of hospitality and welcome, she says the message is clear. Come right in and disturb our perfect lives. And then there's the detail of their rule. Guests are to be welcomed and fed and shown kindness. A member of the community should sit with them and tends to their needs. If it's a time of silence, you can break the silence for the sake of hospitality. If it's a time of fasting, you can break the fast for the sake of hospitality. As Chittister says, Christian hospitality is the gift of one human being to another. It's not simply bed and bath. It is home and family. Or as Joe Gross has encouraged us when we hosted the rest shelter, providing shelter for those who are unhoused, the table is to be set with cloth napkins and good plates and fresh flowers. And we're to sit together and share a meal. All are to be welcomed as Christ. As Christ would welcome us, as we would welcome Christ. Dana, I'm just going to ask, are you okay? Okay, great, great, great. I just want to make sure you're doing okay, friend. So all are to be welcomed as Christ, as Christ would welcome us, as we would welcome Christ. Hold on one second, folks. Dana, do you need some help? So all are to be welcomed as Christ, as Christ would welcome us, and as we would welcome Christ. Eric Law is someone who's worked with a lot of churches in thinking about how to embrace the practice of, Of hospitality and inclusion. He suggests that churches who want to be hospitable first ask the question, what are the barriers? What are the barriers that might keep folks from being fully welcomed here? Now, these barriers can take all manner of form. They may be things that are matters of courtesy, a warm greeting, of following up with new visitors, making sure they have what they need, and The barriers may be something that are keeping people out because of who they are, because of ability or disability, because of race or gender identity or who they love. What are the barriers? And that question makes me think of another that I learned from one of my mentors, Reverend Dr. Charles Marks. Charles Marx, you may know, served as chaplain of the seminary. When I was a student, I worked for him as one of his chaplains assistants. From the very first day of orientation, he insisted that with planning worship, we always ask the question, what does hospitality require of us? What are the needs of those who come, and how do we meet those needs? What are the barriers, and what Does hospitality require of us? Those are important questions. So let's bring those two questions and think some of how we might bring this practice of hospitality into aspects of our life. We've had to do a good bit of thinking about welcome and hospitality over this last year or so. When we were thrown onto Zoom for worship, we had to think fast how do we welcome people into this new worship space, into this new frontier? had to help each other learn new technologies and create ways in that new space that we could welcome each other, see each other, listen to each other. And along the way, we we discovered barriers that had actually kept people out before Zoom came along. Worshiping on Zoom allowed folks who long before the pandemic had not been able easily to leave home now to be a part of worship. And as we're building our hybrid platform, which is a work in progress, we're in the process of asking all of those questions again. The Moving Forward Together team and the worship team and an emerging welcome team have given a lot of thought as to how we welcome folks back into our in-person space and continue to welcome folks online. At first, they had to figure out what hospitality looks like in a world with health protocols in place. Almost everything that we do here in the sanctuary has been considered and discussed and considered again. What are the barriers and what does hospitality require of us? We're continuing to think of hospitality as we continue to build our hybrid worship platform, a community able to connect and worship across multiple places. In April, we took the first step toward hybrid worship, and here we are. We're continuing to build, particularly now as we think about how we can bring our music back into the sanctuary and then share it back on Zoom. And we're moving forward only when we have figured out how to make the next step and make sure that no one gets left behind. I think of it like this. We are building this new home into which we will be able to welcome each other and so many more. What are the barriers? What does hospitality require of us? And we can bring this practice of hospitality to our work in the world too. It's the 4th of July, Independence Day. As we celebrate our freedoms, it's a good time for those of us who are American and Christian to think about how we can live into those freedoms as we follow the way of Jesus. And nationally, we're not doing that great at welcoming strangers. Our nation expresses welcome as a core value. The U.S. Constitution has at its heart the promise of equal protection of the laws. In decision after decision, the Supreme Court has made clear that this right of equal protection and of due process extends not only to citizens, but to any person in the United States, to the stranger who arrives within our borders. The inscription at the base of the Statue of Liberty expresses this more poetically. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free and yet we continue to have a humanitarian crisis at our southern border as we continue to detain children in substandard unhealthy conditions. What are the barriers to hospitality? It's a crisis of our own making. Decades of U.S. policy have contributed to untenable conditions in certain Central American nations that are now rife with corruption and violence, leaving many with little option but to flee. Just as importantly, administration after administration, Congress after Congress have failed to enact meaningful immigration reform that would provide fair and accessible approaches to immigration and to requests for asylum. It would be easy to fault the previous administration. To be sure, Their immigration policies were marked by cruelty, particularly the family separation policy, but the barriers we face, or more importantly, the barriers that those arriving at the border face, reflect the failure over the years, over the decades, and today, of equal protection, of the values that we claim undergird this nation, and of our collective imagination and will to do justice. What does hospitality require of us? Nationally, it requires enacting and advocating for immigration reform that provides fair and meaningful paths for asylum and for citizenship. It requires that we demand accountability and transparency of our government and leaders, Republican and Democrat. And it invites us, it requires us to engage in local action. Here in Marin, the Marin Interfaith Council has an accompaniment network that that some of our church folks are engaged in that helps accompany and support migrating neighbors in this county. The practice of hospitality calls us to be a part of that. And if you want to find more out about that, I'm sure Peter Anderson would be happy to share that with you. So those are two. Those are two seemingly different but intricately related examples of how we can bring a gospel practice of hospitality to our worship and to our work, to every aspect of our life, to the whole of our life. The practice of hospitality invites us to approach every encounter with another in our families, in our church, in our community, and in our nation with a commitment to welcome. What are the barriers? What does hospitality require of us? God welcomes everyone. In God's choosing to be Christ... God chooses you and everyone in the whole wide world. God has created us, all of us, to embody that welcome for each other. We are hardwired to live life in love, and in this morning's scripture, Jesus rejects all the ways we reject each other, every failure of welcome, and then Jesus empowers the disciples, empowers us, to bring good news, to heal, and to build a world that depends on hospitality. And then Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet, keep moving. We've got a world to build.